Hi, this is Amber, and welcome to today's podcast in the Taboo series. My website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm a Reiki master teacher and shamanic practitioner. I've been a healer in private practice since 2010. Uh, my work is focused on cool wound healing, life purpose work, and sacred union work, and I also offer intuitive readings at sacredspacehealing.org. The Taboo series is about sharing information that is sometimes deemed unspiritual or we don't talk about, and it's really bursting that bubble. And in today's Taboo series, I'm asking the question, are you obsessed with your teacher? So there's a lot to this one. My purpose and intention behind this is really to, is a wake-up call, is that obsession with one's teacher is not healthy. And it manifests itself in lots of different ways, and ultimately it's destructive to you as the student, and it's really destructive to the teacher unless they're getting off on it. So that's a different podcast in some ways. That's about, you know, dark teachers. I've done a podcast from dark healers, and there certainly are dark teachers that will feed off your power. But if a teacher isn't feeding off your power, if they're not trying to get you to, you know, spend thousands of pounds on them, and they're not trying to basically disempower you then you're probably giving your power away through a form of obsession so let's look at what that looks like in no particular order obsession with your teacher can manifest in lots of different ways so initially it will manifest can manifest as an admiration you know you really look up to this person you want to know more about them they excite you they thrill you they inspire you You feel safe with them and you want to learn from them and you will often sign up for a series of workshops or um, retreats or whatever else it is because you like being in their company and everything that they they share with you you soak up you soak up this information and it's and that's good and that's healthy and that is the relationship that we want to have with our teacher and where it tips into obsession is if you try and emulate them if you try and become like them now there is a process of that that happens uh, at some point in, in the teacher-student, teacher-client, teacher-student relationship. And when I was a student, I, I'm sure I got obsessed with my teachers, and the ones that walked in the light didn't allow that to happen. They always said to me, I don't want your power, I don't want you looking up to me, you know, I'm just here to guide you, I give you back your power, and they never made me feel like I was dependent on them. And the teachers that were not walking in the light made me feel like I was dependent on them. So two examples. I have my very first shamanic teacher, actually more than two examples, various examples. So my first shamanic teacher, I was completely obsessed with. Um, I thought he was amazing. I thought he was poetic and beautiful and romantic and gentle and funny and charming and powerful. And oh, I just thought he was the best thing ever. I really just was totally smitten with him to the point where I felt that he was my twin flame and I was going to spend the rest of my life with him. And my wake-up call was that at, at various points, as I was sort of feeling, oh, I've met my twin, I've met the one, women were coming to me from his circles telling me exactly the same thing. I think within the space of a month, I had about three women come to me and say exactly the same thing. They were having dreams about him. They were feeling like they'd met the one. And that's when I started to realize that something dark was happening in our circles. And he was really just, he was feeding off our, our adoration and our adulation. He was, he was feeding off our energy and our sexual energy. And I think some of it was conscious and some of it was unconscious. And it, just, it wasn't just women who were obsessed with him. It was men as well. 
And how the obsession manifested for lots of us was, well, we, we couldn't go without going to one of his workshops. Like, we had to go to a circle. Well, that was a given, right? It didn't matter how much it cost. It didn't matter when it was. We would cancel our lives. We would, you know, change everything just to be there. And to his credit, you know, he gave concessions and things like that. It wasn't, and I, and he wasn't charging thousands, but there were enough people that were really, you know, really kind of giving up huge things in their lives just so that it could be in circle with him. I mean, one woman miscarried, and while she was having her miscarriage, she came to a workshop that he was running and was bleeding during the workshop because she wanted to be near him that much. I mean, this is what the level of obsession was like, right, that he was generating, that was being generated. Um, it also became a way of being. So all a lot of his students started to run their circles in a very similar way to him and started to create healing programs and, and teaching programs that were very similar to how he ran his work. And I found myself doing that a little bit, like I sort of took on his mannerisms, I took on his way of holding space and his way of being in circle. Um, but for whatever reason, I think probably because of my really strong connection to spirit and my spirit teachers and probably just my, my willful nature, I didn't follow his pattern. It just didn't work out for me. And I ended up running my own workshops and my own circles in a very, very, very different way. And it was in a way that just didn't, it, it wasn't what he did and it wasn't something that he wanted to do. And I think that's how I broke free. But I saw a lot of his students literally emulate what he was doing. I mean, they didn't have an original idea. It was all based on what he did. The other thing that I saw happen was that um, they, you know, because he was training students in shamanism, they would learn shamanism. You would learn everything that you needed to be a shamanic practitioner. And then you would go off and do your case studies. And I suppose at some point you might step into doing the healing work. And the students that stepped into doing the healing work that were obsessed with him, they they called their websites, they named them very similar to what his his website was called. So and they and he had he had a certain tattoo on his arm and some of the students started getting similar tattoos. They all went to his tattoo artist. I mean there was a lot of emulating, there was a lot of copying, if you like. There was nothing original, it was all copying. And it was started to feel a little bit culty. It just didn't feel good. And I broke away and I did my own thing. And I cleared his energy from my energy field and I moved on. And so what I was witnessing in these students was an obsession with their teacher. It wasn't a healthy admiration. It was an obsession. They were giving up their free will. They were giving up um, their own ideas. They were willing to, you know, move halfway across the country to be with him. They were copying his way of working. They were copying website names and tattoos. I mean, it, it, it was pretty freaky. It, it wasn't good. It wasn't healthy. So that's an unhealthy relationship, I feel, with one's teacher. I then met his teacher, one of his teachers, and surprisingly heard from one of his teachers that He'd actually never really rated this guy in his circles. He he kind of he'd known that he was he was always a bit erratic. He never showed up on time. He was chaotic. He was dirty. Um, his teacher said, and he didn't really think much of him. But it was interesting to note when I met my shamanic teacher's teacher how much my shamanic teacher had copied his shamanic teacher. 
so um oh it's this is getting complicated without naming names but um so my shamanic teacher used to wear lots of t-shirts sort of silly t-shirts funny t-shirts and had a way of being in circle and once admitted in circle that he'd fallen in love with his shamanic teacher even though the shamanic teacher was male it was he still felt completely in love with him and when the circles finished he felt heartbroken and for whatever reason that energy was playing out in his frequency in terms of what he was creating with his students so when I met my shamanic teacher's teacher he wore the silly t-shirts as well and he had this manner in circle that I could see how it had been emulated but it wasn't the real deal you know like this guy was the real deal he knew how to hold space and he never once took your power away he never intruded on your personal space Yes, I could see that there were students in his circle that were a little bit obsessed with him, but he wasn't entertaining that. He wasn't flirtatious. He wasn't crossing boundaries with them. He was very, very, very clear on not crossing boundaries, on not sexualizing, on not not using the shamanic work to cross a boundary with someone. It made him so angry when he heard that that was happening because you're so vulnerable and open in circle. And he had a very... He, he certainly had a very lyrical, poetic way of speaking. I'm not sure how much integrity he had in the grand scheme of things, seeing him over a course of time um, and going to his circles. But I could see how my shamanic teacher had emulated his shamanic teacher and had become a watered-down version of him. And that was very interesting. But now that I was going to his teacher, I could see that there was a vast difference in the way the circles were being held, that his teacher didn't cross boundaries, um, you know, he didn't hug you for too long, he didn't give you too much personal information about his life, um, they weren't people in his circle thinking that he was their twin flame, um, and so in, in a way he wasn't instilling that obsession. And I didn't feel obsessed with him, I didn't want to dress like him, speak like him, work like him, I could see him for who he was, a human being, doing the best that he could, and I took what resonated out of his teachings and I recycled what didn't so I never felt like I had an unhealthy obsession with this guy because he had very clear boundaries um, and because the I, I guess because I'd already got burnt once I wasn't going to get burnt again so to speak but what it brought up for me was the realization that students do this a lot you know I think part of human nature is we want to give our power away, we want to be led, we want to be held. And I think often people come to healing to walk the path of the healer because they are the wounded healer. It's it's Chiron, you know, they're looking to heal their own wounds and as they heal their own wounds, they become the healer. So there's usually trauma around childhood and parenting and in later life as well. And a lot of that gets transferred onto the healer and it turns into a fixation. You know, first we admire this person, we want to be like them, and then at some point in our development we want to pull them down and destroy them, mainly because we feel that they've rejected us in some way, you know, that they, they're not mothering us or fathering us anymore, they're not, we're not special to them, there's new students that have come in, and then we want to pull them down, you know, then we want to make out how terrible they are. Um, and then we want to somehow get better than them, and in some ways that's a very empowering place to be because it means that the student is finally free of the teacher. But where it gets destructive is when we still are fixated on the teacher. So how I've seen it, and I have sadly seen it 
with some of my students who just refuse to let go. Um, it's, it's a very small number that have done that over the years, and thankfully that doesn't happen anymore. But in the early days when I was teaching, I saw this with some students. They just didn't want to let go. And how it manifested was this kind of emulation. I want to be like you, so dress like you, talk like you, use the keywords that you use. And that's a giving away of one's power. So we have to be really mindful when we step into that student-teacher relationship that we're not giving our power away, right? I've never taken power away from my students. I don't want it. And I'm constantly in circle. I mean, it's to their frustration. I won't answer every question. I won't neatly tie up everything in a bow. I will be very tough on students if they don't do their homework and if they're not stepping up to the next level. I'm very tough. And if I feel that they're developing an unhealthy obsession with me in that they're giving away their power in some way or they're emulating me too much, I simply cut the ties and say, I'm not the right teacher for you. And I let them go because that's how they'll learn. Now, it's a habit in us, I think, and some people have it more than others to give our power away, to want another to save us, and yet we want to attack them at the same time. And so I think the things to look out for in any student-teacher relationship that you might step into is those danger points when you're you know, when you're obsessively checking their website or you're listening to every podcast that they have or you're going on their YouTube channel all the time or every little thing that they do, every little thing that they have in, in their space, every little thing that they wear, every piece of jewellery that they have, you have to have too. Where you're, um, you're kind of waiting for the next workshop, you're waiting for the next retreat because your life feels incomplete without it. Or you get angry with them because they didn't respond to your email on time or they didn't hug you or they didn't give you preferential treatment over someone else. That's when you need to step back and realize that what's happening has got nothing to do with your teacher. It's projection from you because there's some unfulfilled need in you that you're looking to your teacher to fulfill. And if it wasn't that teacher, you'd do it with someone else or you'd do it with another, another healer of some kind. And you'd do it with a teacher in any other context whether it be a healing teacher or, you know, a music teacher or a dance teacher or a languages teacher, you know, you're just looking to to do that, to kind of, to project, to be looked after, to be parented. And so, so those are some of the things to look out for. Are you, are you obsessing about this person? Are you wanting to hang out with them outside of the teacher-student relationship? Do you want to have a social relationship with them? Do you see them as a friend? Um, do you want to add them on Facebook and social media? I mean, I never add clients on social media because my private life is completely separate from my working life. And it is a working life as a teacher. It's not the sum total of who I am. It's an aspect of who I am. Do you find yourself getting very angry at your teacher? Um, do you find yourself wanting to be teacher's pet? Do you want to be a favourite in a workshop or in a retreat or in a circle? Are you angry at another student that might take your place? You know, I used to feel like that with my first shamanic teacher. Um, I went around the, the medicine wheel a few times, and when I went around the medicine wheel the second time and a new bunch of students came in, I was no longer teacher's pet. You know, I was now assisting, and there were others that were were me, basically, a year previous that he had the same dynamic with and he was flirtatious with and he laughed with and he gave them all their attention 
and I didn't get that attention. I, I was just the person that was cleaning the kitchen and, you know, tending to the fire and sweeping up the, the yurt, and I felt crushed. Um, and I saw how this had happened to other office students who couldn't leave him, so they would come back and assist him, but they couldn't forge their own life away from him. Um, and that's not healthy. So if you feel bereft, heartbroken that a workshop's ended or that you're not going to see your teacher again, if you're looking for excuses to email them or hang out with them, if you're trying to find them on social media, if you're Googling them to find pictures of them, if you're following every single podcast or blog that they've written or everything on their YouTube channel, um, if you want to dress like them, if you want to look like them, if you're criticizing them on the one hand, but secretly admiring them on the other hand, you know, this love-hate relationship where you're soaking up all their work and you're emulating them and you're renaming your website alongside, you know, in similar in a similar vein to their website and you're getting tattoos similar to them and all the rest of it. If you're doing all of those things and trying to tear them down at the same time, there's something really dysfunctional going on. And my feeling is that it's not it's not always orchestrated by your teacher, you know, unless you're being reeled in, unless you're being your teacher is saying to you, Let's hang out, here's you know, this is when my birthday is, this is my social media page. And let's have a chat on the phone. Unless all of those things are happening, it's probably just coming from you. Um, as I say, my first shamanic teacher did all those things. We would speak on the phone. He invited uh, students to his birthday parties. There was such an intermingling. Whereas his teacher, who I later went on and worked with, didn't do any of that. I knew nothing about his private life. We didn't hang out on social media. I didn't know when his birthday was. I didn't know, you know his likes and dislikes, he was just my teacher. And so there was no intermingling. It was very easy to leave Circle and not miss him. And, and that was healthy. So it's either being entertained by your teacher, in which case leave, or you're creating that. If you're wanting to hang out with them socially, you're creating that. If you're trying to dress like them, you're creating that. If you're looking up to them and then you're trying to destroy them at the same time, you're creating that. If you're following them on social media the whole time, you're creating that. If you're waiting for their next podcast, their next YouTube clip, you're creating that and it's not healthy. And look at why you're creating that. You know, what role are you wanting your teacher to play? Probably parent. And if you had a dysfunctional relationship with your parents, then you're recreating that dysfunctional relationship with your teacher. And it's time to get some healing in. And I think the best thing to do, actually, the most grown-up thing to do in that situation is to have that conversation with your teacher is to say you know what, I think I'm developing a bit of a crush on you or um, an obsession or I'm giving away my power to you and I don't know how to stop. And a teacher that is worth something will guide you in empowering you, either either by helping you, directing you to a healer, or by pulling right away and saying I'm not the right teacher for you then. And that will force you to stand on your own two feet. So there's many ways that it can be done. But I want to create, I created this podcast really because I, I, I really want this to be out there. That obsession with one's teacher is not healthy and it manifests in lots of different ways. And ultimately it's destructive to you. And unless it's being actively, you're being coerced by your teacher, it'll be coming from you, not from them. Um, and it will come from you for lots of different reasons. Hand on heart, I have never coerced my students. I've never wanted to have a social relationship with them or hang out with them or hang out on social media, any of that stuff. It has happened, um, and I've often gone along with requests for meeting up because I've wanted to be polite. But 
it's never been something that I've courted. I mean, I have a, I've met so many wonderful people over the years as students. And I've often thought if I met you in everyday life, I'd probably really get on with you. But because they're my students, I'm never going to cross that line with them. I'm never going to become someone that, you know, we go down the pub and have a drink or whatever. Because that bond is always there. The minute I start becoming me, it, it'll shake something in them in terms of their faith in the work and themselves. And I need to stay in the role of teacher. Um, the only time I ever sort of come off that pedestal, if you like, and I don't mean pedestal in a grand way, I just mean I come off that plinth, you know, I come off that um, chair that says teacher, is when I come towards the end of any kind of work, like the professional practitioners for the Reiki um the Reiki achievements, and I, I get really real with my students then, I get very human, I share personal experiences because it's time for them to step into the role of practitioner, and they need to see me as a practitioner also, um, but otherwise they'll never step into their power. So that's the only time I do it, and everything that I ever share with my students, you know, I don't share anything that I that is going to be dangerous for me to share, or that is going to be too much for them, it's always a sharing so they don't feel so alone. So they know that there are complexities to being a healer. That it's okay to have complexities to being a healer. But I can never stop being in that role of teacher. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, maybe one day, 20 years down the line or 10 years down the line, we might meet up as practitioners, but maybe not. Um, it's just something that can't be... That I, don't, I, I honestly don't believe it's a line that should ever be crossed. So if your teacher is crossing that line with you, it's really something to think about, about how that makes you feel and what that's doing for you. Maybe it works for you and that's fine, but maybe it's getting confusing, in which case pull away. This is a minefield, I think. Um, and there's so many different examples I could give of when you know boundaries were crossed with me by teachers and how damaging that was. And I had a, I had a Reiki master, my first Reiki master, and... Um, I had so much respect for this person. And at one point, they asked me to lie for them. They, without, you know, giving too much information away, they were basically lying to someone about something. And they needed to say that they were somewhere that they, they weren't, basically. They needed to cover up something that they were doing. And they asked me to lie for them. And I felt really uncomfortable about that. And I was I responded by saying, I don't think I can lie for you. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And the bait that was offered me was, I'll give you a free healing. And the minute my Reiki master said that, I, that, I, that they would give me a free healing in return for me lying on their behalf was when our sacred trust was broken. They were no longer my teacher. I could no longer look up to them. And I never attuned to master level in that form of Reiki. I just walked away from it. And I moved on to angelic Reiki, which I then became Reiki master in. And I remember being attuned to angelic Reiki and then meeting up with my Reiki master quite soon after I'd attuned to master level, just because we were in the same town and I was passing through and they were around and I said, do you want to meet up? And we met up for a cup of tea and their manner with me was so abrupt so kind of whereas in in the class I'd been treated like it didn't matter what had happened to me it didn't matter about my past it didn't matter that I was clearing gunky energies this time when I met them um they didn't want me anywhere near their child 
Um, I remember kind of reaching out to play with their child and my hand being pushed away. And I just was like, oh, my God, I can't, on a human level, this just isn't going to work. Like, you're not, you're not my teacher. You're not my Reiki master. And I moved away from them as my Reiki master. And I actually moved towards further towards Christine Kaur, who, um, if anything, is, is kind of the, the head of Angelic Reiki. Um, her husband, Kevin, channeled the work. So it is deeply damaging, I think, when our teachers reveal to us too much of a human side. We lose faith in the work. And it can be, we can use that to empower our students, you know, to reveal a very human side to us so our students go, oh, I want to be better than that, and off they go into the world. And I often do that with my students when I feel that they're holding on for too long. I just reveal a very human side of myself and off they go, because <laughs> I've suddenly fallen off that pedestal that they put me on. But it is very damaging to to get to know your teacher too personally. You'll lose faith in the work, you'll lose faith in them, and you'll lose faith in yourself. And so it's important that that distance is maintained for, for very specific reasons. It, it, it keeps a power around the work that you've been learning and initiated into. I, I had a teacher for... I learned Indian head massage and, um, you know, this teacher tried to befriend me and then added me on social media and wanted to hang out with me and uh, started asking my advice about how to get into, into acting and it was all just really, really messy and then years later I found out that this, this Indian head massage teacher was kind of bitching about me to people and saying not very nice things and it was just so messy, it was just so like, oh... No, and surprise, surprise, I no longer practice Indian head massage. I think there is a real correlation between the way our teachers behave and then how we go on to to what kind of relationship we have to the modality that they might have attuned us to or instructed us in. Um, so I think for your personal safety, if you're a student, you know, look out for those red flags if you're getting obsessed with your teachers. If you're a teacher, look out for those red flags where you're taking your students' power away. I don't think a lot, you know, sometimes this stuff is done on purpose and a lot of times it's done unconsciously, but we have to be really, really careful because it is a minefield. And it is a very complex subject, but I hope this podcast helps you in just awakening something within you perhaps that needs greater awareness. The website is sacredspacehealing.org, that's sacredspacehealing.org. Wherever you are on your journey, I send you much love and abundance and joy. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.